One thing I believe, I believe in a lot of stuff, but one thing I believe in is making sure people know how much they are appreciated. Um, because, I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't do things for a clap on the back. But it's nice to have one every now and again, isn't it? Today, I want to share with you a message that God has been um, dealing with me about really since, um, when, was, when was prayer conference? February? Is it February, I think? We have a minister's prayer conference, and, and, um, and God has been dealing with me about this, this subject. And today, we're going to talk about more, um, because I believe there's more that God is calling us to do. Um, the scripture we're going to use today is still in Matthew. We're going to go a few chapters over to Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit. Now, before we go into our scripture, uh, for the last couple of weeks, for those of you who have been here or you haven't been here, um, for the last couple of weeks, we, we, first two weeks ago, we explored uh, the crucifixion with John. We, we talked about what the crucifixion looked like for John, John the Beloved, not John the Baptist because he lost his head a few, few years earlier. But John the Beloved, we followed him, and, and we were exploring what he went through as he saw Jesus hanging on the cross. And we explored how how um, how. how how it impacted his life. And then after that, last week, of course, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus as he took hold of the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and, and he overcame sin in the world, and, and it was an exciting Sunday last week. And so today, we're gonna, it's been kind of a series that I haven't called a series. Today, we're going to explore um, one of the last conversations that Jesus had before he ascended into heaven. Now, Jesus, of course, was resurrected, and he was on the earth another 40 days. And so this is, and in those 40 days, he worked, he ministered. The Bible even says he did so many things, you couldn't even write it in, in the Bible or in the book. And so Jesus was very active, and toward the end of it, this is one of the last conversations he had. And so if this is one of the last conversations he had, then it's probably important, right? Probably so. And so let's go to the Bible. In verse 18, the Bible says this, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so today we're going to pick up with this last conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples. And so Jesus, whenever he was resurrected, let's look at what he did. First of all, he was resurrected. He went and spoke with Mary Magdalene. Then he went and spoke with two disciples on the road to Emos. And then he met with his disciples minus Thomas. And then he met with his disciples with Thomas. And at that time, he actually challenged Thomas because Thomas said, I'm not going to believe Jesus is alive until I'm able to put my hand in his wounds. And so Jesus said, okay, let's try that out. And he challenged Thomas to do exactly that. And, and then that brings us to the commissioning of the disciples to carry the gospel into the world. And so this is what is known as the Good Commission. Is that what we call this? It's not the Good Commission. What do we call this? The Great Commission. We call this the Great Commissioning. And so what makes it great? I asked myself these questions. I said, why is it that we call, why is it that the church calls this the Great Commission? Well, first of all, it's the size. It's literally the Great Commission is literally to spread the gospel into the entire world. And so it's a huge job. It's to spread the gospel to every territory and every village. It's huge. And so the sex, what else makes it great? Well, it's importance. The Great Commission 
it's a heaven or hell issue. And so, you know, we make a lot, we make a big deal about a lot of things that happen in church. But I love this question that one of my friends asks people whenever he comes to him, when people come to him with crazy stuff, he says, okay, is this a heaven or hell issue? And a lot of times that kind of settles some of the issues that people bring up to him because a lot of the things that we worry ourselves with, they're really not heaven or hell issues. They may seem important to us, but in the grand scheme of life and eternity, they're not big issues. But the Great Commission, it is literally a heaven or hell issue. And it's so important that as Jesus was getting ready to ascend to the Father back into heaven, it's one of the last things that he said to us. And so you think to yourself, what would I say on my deathbed? If you were dying today and you were laying in your bed, I wonder what, would you just say random things or do you think whatever the last thing you said would be important? You probably would think long and hard about whatever words you had left. Is that true? And so the Great Commission is, it's, is it, it's great because of its size and then also because of its importance. It's, it's, it's importance. It's not optional. It's not something that we pick up when it's convenient. It's required and it's commanded. The Great Commission was never meant to be something accomplished by an individual. A lot of times we think about missions and we think about people reaching people for Jesus, and we assume that's something that the pastor does or that's something that the youth pastor does or the Sunday school teacher or this person or that person. But the truth is is that I've heard it said like this, if you are a safe Christian, welcome to full-time ministry. Isn't that true? If you are a Christian, if you are under the blood of Jesus, then the moment that you walk into his grace, then you also walk into full-time ministry. Every place you go, you should be a conduit for the, for the grace of God. You should be a conduit for the Bible and for the gospel. And this is where I get the idea that we use for years in our student ministries is that we all have two basic purposes. We all have two basic purposes, and, this is, and that's this, to know God and to make him known. And so you may not know what your specialized call is or, or what directly you want to work in right now, but we all know this, that we are to know God. We are to have a relationship. The two basic reasons that all of us exist is one, to know God, to know him intimately, to have a relationship with him, not just to talk about him, but for him to literally become the Lord of our life. We're created to do that. And secondly, we are created to make him known. That once we develop relationship with him, once we are under his covenant and under his grace, and he's become Lord of our lives, and then we are called to then make him known and be a conduit for the gospel. All of us have those two basic purposes. And so we understand that Jesus was telling them, if you look at the Great Commission, Jesus was telling them to go. And go is a verb, is it not? Something that requires action. Christianity was never meant to be a spectator religion, but a relationship in action. That's good. Man, it's quiet in here today. Christianity was never meant to be a spectator religion, but a relationship in action. We grow in our relationship, and we are made whole in Christ. And then in turn, we give that wholeness, that grace, that gospel to those that are hurting around us. Do you know hurting people in your life? Do you know addicted people in your life? Do you know people that you know when you see them, man, they need to hear about Jesus? Well, maybe you see it because God is calling you to do it. That's what I think. I think that whenever we go through life and we see these needs and we say, man, I really wish somebody would do something about that, maybe that's God putting it in our heart that we need to do something about that. It's kind of like, I saw this video, and I was going to show it. It's from Francis Chan, but it really didn't fit with the message. But he was talking about how, 
the Great Commission and making disciples. And he said this. He said, in the church, we know that the Bible says we are to go and make disciples. But instead of going to make disciples, we're going to develop three classes, 12 steps, and we're going to talk about it for a year about how we're supposed to be going to make disciples, all the while never making one disciple. That's hard, isn't it? As Man, is this a hard message today? Because I'm excited about it. This is liberating to me to think about this. And so... The question I want to ask you to ask yourselves is, are you, in, are you engaging in the great commission or the great omission? Are you engaging in your personal life in the great commission or the great omission? The great omission leads to great offense. Because here's the thing. When you omit your, what this means is you are either spreading the gospel of Jesus or you are in, or you are omitting yourself from the responsibility of doing it but the problem with that is that's never in the bible we, Jesus never gives us an out he never says well i know you love me and that's just good enough Jesus never called us to be sedentary in our faith but instead as soon as we get saved he calls us to begin relaying the gospel to other people i think we are many times stifled by the size of the Great Commission. And we ask ourselves, because when you think about the Great Commission and, and Jesus says that you're going to spread the gospel into all the world, I think sometimes it's kind of overwhelming. Is that true? We, we ask ourselves, well, where do I get started? How can I, how, how can I really make a difference? Am I really big enough? If I, what can I really do to make any type of dent in spreading the, the gospel of Jesus Christ? But here's the good news. Can I really make a difference? That's one of the things we ask ourselves. The good news is that Jesus addresses some of these things in verse 18. He says, all authority. Somebody say all. All authority has been given to Jesus. That means when we serve and succeed, it's not because of our own intellect or abilities, but because of the covering of Christ's authority. When we serve... We aren't just jumping out and doing things on our own. We are literally under the umbrella of grace doing what God has called us to do. Yes, you can make a difference because greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. And so whenever you get out and you decide to make a difference in the kingdom of God, you can count on the fact that God's going to have your back. And whatever you decide to do for the kingdom, he's not going to ask you to go on it alone. He's going to go with you. And because we are all called to serve Christ... Our confidence is in Christ. You know, a, a lot of times when we start thinking about what can I do for the kingdom, what can I do to, to better serve my God, we, we start asking ourselves, am I really good enough? Can I really make a difference? Am I really qualified And all of those things? Because we don't have a lot of confidence in ourselves. But the good news is that our confidence doesn't have to be in ourselves because we're finite. We're very limited, but our confidence is in Christ. And we know that he is greater, amen? Is, is Christ greater? Yes, maybe. <laughs> because we our confidence is in Christ, we don't have to carry the weight of worry about how it's going to work out. Our confidence is in Christ for provision, for vision, for healing, and for direction. And so our confidence must remain in him because he's God and we're not. He's limited, or we're limited, and he's unlimited. And so today I want to share this message with you that God has been dealing with me about. It's entitled More. And so because of the crucifixion, we can rest in salvation. I want you to catch this. I'm going to do a lot of teaching today, or I call it teaching. 
Because of the crucifixion, we can rest in salvation, but we were never meant to rest at salvation. That's good. Today, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Today is not going to be a Pentecostal fiery, tears bawling and rolling across the floor. Today is going to be a day of transition for us as a church. Because there are some things that we are doing well, and there are some things we are not doing at all. And I believe that in the only way to fix it is to look at it, talk about it, and do something. Amen? Is that true? Is that good? If your living room's dirty, you can talk about it for 10 hours, but if you don't clean it, it ain't going to get cleaned, is it? All right. And so the crucifixion, because of the crucifixion, we can rest in salvation, but we were never meant to rest at salvation. It's funny because we'll share, we'll share the best coupons. We'll share the best memes, you know, the funny pictures on Facebook. We'll share the best of everything. But it's funny to me how hard it is for us to share the best thing, and that's the gospel. And today's not going to be popular because it's going to be convicting. It convicted me when I wrote this. It challenged me. But you know what? If the Bible isn't challenging us, maybe we're not really hearing what the Bible says. Is that true? And so... It's, and, I, and I get it. It's, you know, we share all these great things, but we struggle sharing the good news of Jesus. And I get it. It's scary. It's scary for a lot of reasons. I don't like to be rejected. I have this fear of rejection. I don't like to, to put myself out there because I'm afraid they're going to say, hey, uh, would you please stop talking to me? Anybody else thought that way? Hey, hey, uh, can I talk to you about Jesus? No, you can't. Please leave me alone. You know, that's a fear that people have. I get it. It's scary. But here's the thing. You are under the umbrella of Jesus' authority and his grace. And he calls us to act. He calls us to do our best. And then we have to leave the results up to him. We think we fail if people don't get saved or if people reject us. We fail because we don't do anything. We leave success up to Jesus because Jay doesn't save anybody. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes in and brings a heart to salvation. My responsibility is making sure that every person that I come into contact with, that God gives me an opportunity to speak to, I give them an opportunity to hear about God and hear about the grace of Jesus and hear about how he died for their sins. Because it's not up to me whether or not they receive it, but they can't receive it if I never tell them. Is that true? And so many times we stop ourselves because we feel inadequate, we feel dirty. We feel like, I've even said this before whenever I was younger in my faith, I'm just not that person. You ever said that where people say, why don't you tell people about Jesus? Why don't you share your faith with people? Well, I'll serve, and I'll clean the kitchen, and I'll come bake goods, and those are all great things, and I appreciate it. But, when, but I'm not that person that's going to talk to somebody about Jesus. That's just not me. I'm shy. I don't find that in the Bible. I don't. When I read the Bible, I find nowhere an exemption for sharing the gospel. I don't find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus says, well, I understand you weren't born with an outgoing personality, and so you don't have to do that. Here's the thing, and most of you will never really believe this. I am a total introvert. If you will, if you, in fact, some of you may have even noticed this. When I'm in public places or if I'm like at, at gatherings, I struggle going
going up to random people and talking to them. And you're like, you're a preacher. You have the microphone. You're in front of all of us. That's because of God's grace, I promise. Because if I had an option, I would be on the back row somewhere in the corner just waiting for service. And I would hear from the Lord. Be, I'd praise him, and then I'd be ready to go because I do not like being center attention. So I get it. I understand. But here's the thing. It's scary, but it's necessary. It's scary, but it's necessary. Sometimes we feel like we're not good enough or inadequate, but here's the thing. Never feel like you're not good enough to be used or that you're not important enough because the same blood that bought Billy Graham's salvation bought yours. The same blood that covered my sin and covered Jensen Franklin's sin and covered everyone's sin, covered yours. And so that means that you are just as valuable and you are just as able as anybody else in the history of the world that's ever made a difference for God. You're not less than, you're His. And God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make useless junk. And so if you're sitting here today, I promise you, you are the apple of his eye. And, he's, and he loves you. And he's put something inside of you that only you can do. Because he created you to do it. When Jesus was resurrected, listen to this, because we feel like sometimes we're less than. This was so striking to me. When Jesus was resurrected, you would think he would go and, go and talk to what we deem to be important people. Certainly he would go straight to the Sanhedrin, or certainly he would go straight to the, to the disciples. I, in my mind, if I were Jesus and they were challenging me and doubting me, I'd show up in the Pharisees' office and say, told you so. <laughs> Are y'all holier than me? I'm sorry. Anyways, if I were Jesus, I'd be trying to make a scene, man, like y'all crucified me for no reason. I told you who I was. But Jesus... You know, anyways, who he showed up to, it's so impressive to me. Because first of all, he showed up to Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons cast out of her. He didn't show up to Peter or, 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 uh, or any of the other disciples. He showed up to the throwaway. That's huge. Think about that. The God of the universe, he could have been resurrected and had that first conversation with whomever he wanted to. He had it with Mary Magdalene. Second conversation he had were two disciples uh, on the road to Emos, and they were heading in the wrong direction and upset because they felt Jesus had failed and they did not know what to do. And Jesus chased them down to talk to them and tell them about who he was and what he did. This morning you may feel like you are less than or that you're not able or maybe you're past your prime and you're not really sure if you can still make a difference for the gospel, but I guarantee you this, you are still able to do something for Jesus. If you are breathing today, you're able. Is that good? Is that good? And so, and so, so we see that Jesus uses people no matter where they come from in their life. And the four biggest reasons, and I actually did research on this, the four biggest reasons people fear sharing their faith are these four things. One is rejection. People have a fear of rejection. They have a fear of failure. I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail Jesus. I don't want to feel like I did something else wrong. They have a fear of loss of relationship. How many people have people in their lives, and this is a rhetorical question, but you want to share the gospel with them, but you're afraid that if you talk about your faith with them, it's going to damage your relationship with them. I remember one of the scariest things I ever did. I was 16 years old, didn't know anything. I was barely saved, barely even knew what it was, what it meant to be saved. And I actually, ha and, and I wrote a letter to my dad. 
and, and, and at the time, I was the only one in my house going to church. And I wrote this long letter. And, if, and me and my dad, we didn't have the greatest of relationships. My dad is a quiet guy. And so um, we just weren't that close. But I remember God putting on my heart so heavily that I wanted to share the gospel in my house. That's why youth ministry is important. Because if you can get kids saved and on fire for Jesus, then they will go home and start sharing the gospel. That's why youth ministry is important. And I got on fire for God, and I said, God, I want to see my house saved. And, and I wrote this letter to my dad. And I said, Dad, I, and I was afraid of my dad. I was one of those kids that I was in, not because he deserved it or, or whatever, but we just didn't have a great relationship. And it, was, and it was sharing my faith, and it was just different, and I was afraid to do it. But I wrote this letter to my dad. And, and in the letter, I said, Dad, I love you. And, I'm, and I even wrote in the letter, I'm actually afraid to write and give you this letter. But I got saved. And I hadn't even told my dad that at that time in my life. It just happened weeks before. And I said, I, I know I'm going to go to heaven, and I want to make sure you go with me. One of the scariest things I had ever done. And, and I would be lying to you if I told you it made an immediate difference. It did make a difference because my mom, that, that same year, within six months, my mom got baptized, my little cousin got baptized, and my aunt got baptized. My aunt, who I talk about sometimes, who just passed away, she got baptized. Her faith started when I was 16 years old. And so whenever I had to do her funeral, I did it with the hope of knowing she was in glory because of something God did in my life when I was 16. And a praise report is that for my dad, I wrote him that letter and I reached out to him. He didn't come straight to church. And I didn't call him out last week because it would have embarrassed him, but he was in church last week. For the first time in 40 years, that's why we share the gospel. It may not be immediate, it may not be right now, but we share the gospel because we plant seeds of faith. And we believe that whenever we plant those seeds of faith, that God is going to do the watering. He's going to do the anointing. All I have to do is the work. God's calling us to do the Great Commission, not just talk about the Great Commission. And so fear can easily cause us to focus on how someone may respond instead of the, the importance of the message we're trying to share. Think about what I just said. Fear can easily cause us to focus on how someone may respond instead of the message, the importance of the message we're trying to share. Think about how silly this is. What if God specifically created me and gave me the task? What if, what, if, what if my buddy Josh, today he's come to church. I'm not even going to use Justin. That, that, may be, that may freak people out. Let's say uh, Joe Blow right here, this invisible. God said to me, Jay, why don't you go talk to him about Jesus? And what if I'm kind of intimidated to do that, and Joe Blow, who's not here, I say, you know, God, I'm, I'm afraid. What if he doesn't, what if he doesn't respond well? And I don't do it. And this is extreme, but it's possible, and it happens, and because it's happened to me before. And so Joe Blue goes out the, goes out the door, gets in his car, and dies. And I'm the last opportunity he had to hear the gospel. That's why we share the gospel. That's why we have to look at the importance of what we do instead of the fear of doing it because someone has to. Amen? And so here's where we are. Here's where we are today. The church has been given a mission in the Great Commission. And we, and today I'm talking about our church 
specifically, us here. Today, I, I'm, I sound like, you know, I, I told you there's going to be a lot of talking in this. It's not going to be Pentecostal, fire, Holy Ghost, and all that stuff. But um, today, God laid a very heavy message on my heart for our church, for this body, for these people, the people that are faithful here, that this is what you call your church. We've been missing in the mission. We have been missing, and I, I take some of this on my own. I mean, I, I was a youth pastor, but I think about what could I have done more than I did. We have been missing in the mission. Last year, last year, the only active outreach we had, and still is, is GSO. Hey, GSO, got special ones. How y'all doing this morning? Y'all snoring on me? It's okay, I'd snore on me too. The only active local outreach we had last year was GSO, God special ones. That's sad. In the last 10 years, we've had a basketball camp that was an outreach. Worked really well. I think there's still one guy I know that's, that's um, connected to Dude and Nikki Henry, and he's still uh, living out the faith and, and all those things. He's doing a great job as a young man, and it's made a difference. But we did a basketball camp before I got here. I've been here for almost nine years, um, and we did bus ministry. We don't do bus ministry anymore. That was a good outreach. Literally, and this is this. I know this is kind of depressing, and I'm sorry, but like I said, you got to look at where you are. Somebody, you got to look at where you are, so that you can figure out where you need to go. GSO is the only only outreach we do right now. And by the way, they are totally self-funded. Some of you may ask, does the church give them money? No, Miss Faye and Mr. David and a few others. They work their rear ends off to make sure those babies are taken care of. And thank you guys so much for doing that. Um, GSO is the only one we do right now. Last year, we gave less than $900 to missions. That's sad. Less than $900 to missions to make sure that even though we can't go to Africa and even though we can't go uh, to the farthest places in the world or even Canada or Mexico, we may not be able to go there. We sent $900 last year. Again, I'm not trying to depress us. I'm trying to make sure we know where we are. Now, to those of you who gave those $900, and that came through um, whenever people pay their tithes, they marked a, a certain amount to go to, uh, to missions. Thank you so much for thinking about people who need to hear Jesus without being asked from the pulpit. Thank you so much for those who've given to missions without being asked. Here's the thing. The devil wins when we don't do anything. The devil wins when we do nothing. And that's what we've been doing as it pertains to outreach and missions. But he can't win if we do something. Because greater is he than, than that's in us than he that's in the world. We have a message that literally has the ability to, to take a crackhead and save him and make him a preacher. We have a gospel that takes the dirtiest of the dirty and the lowliest of the lows, and God raises them up out of the muck and mire, and we're being stingy with it. God is saying that's not okay. God is calling us as a church to look at where we're failing and do better because the message is that important. We have a gospel message that is literally the good news that people can do better that they can come out of their addiction and they can come out of their hurt and God is calling us to pick that message up and do something with it and my question for you today is are you going to go with me and do something about it come on somebody there is a message that we carry it is the light of the world we can't let this be okay and we can't let this be acceptable anymore if I'm pastor and I am 
till you kick me out, and I hope you don't. We can't let this be acceptable. We cannot let it be okay that we come in here every Sunday and we eat up the gospel, but we never produce the gospel. We cannot be okay with people going to hell outside of our doors. I'm going to say this, and I hope it's not offensive. It came from another preacher. But this other preacher that I've been reading books from, he said that whenever we don't make the Great Commission a priority, we're telling people that don't come to our church, well, you can just go to hell. Isn't that basically what we're saying? Well, you don't go to my church, and I don't care to witness to you, and so you can just go ahead and go. When I read that, it hit me in the face. I mean, I was like, dang, Jesus, that hurt. I never thought of it that way. We live in a hurting world and in a, and in a hurting community, and my prayer is that God is going to show us exactly where we fit and what our mission is so that we can join the fight in the gospel. Christ has called us to go. We just haven't been picking up the phone. That's going to change, though, because today I want to present some things to you. I believe it's imperative for the local church, for us, to make the Great Commission a part of our mission. It is imperative that we put a high priority on making sure people hear and receive the gospel. We must be about the Lord's business. We have to be about making sure the gospel is spread. And so because there are lost people in this world that need to hear the good news. So how are we going to start? What are we going to do? Because we've been talking, man, really a lot of my message since December have, have centered around the idea of we need to do more to reach people for the gospel. A lot of them have. And, we've, and some people have even asked me, okay, well, you're telling us this. Well, what are we going to do? Well, this is where we're going to start. I have two projects, actually three projects. We're going to talk to about two today. Last year we only did $900 in outreach, period, $900. And that didn't even, I mean, it cost us something, but all we did with that is send it to international offices. This year I have three projects in mind, two that we're going to talk about today that I want us to take on. And they may seem ambitious, but I believe they're very achievable goals. And so the first one is, um, is, is the YWEA. A lot of you may be familiar with it, um, but before I say any more, I want to show that video real quick. So, Ms. Jennifer, will you play that video real quick? For the last 50 years, the area surrounding Cota, Colombia, has been devastated by war, drug cartels, and corruption. Every day, students are unable to safely go to school and parents simply do not have the means to take care of their children. The nation has been left in disarray as 67% of its children live in poverty and over 60,000 street children at risk for violence and abuse. With each child's horrific story, it is clear that the city of Kota is losing the hopes and dreams of tomorrow due to the hardship and fears of today. This scenario leaves young moms and children in desperation without hope. This was the case with a young mom and her daughter named Slendy. They lived in a remote farming area where abuse and starvation were experienced daily. The situation declined to the point that the only food available to give her little daughter Slendy was coffee. This created severe malnourishment and affected Slendy's physical development to the point that at the age of three, she could not walk or speak. This desperate situation drove her mom to seek help from Roselba Perez. However, there was
was no safe house for women, only a safe house for girls. So the young mom gave Slendy to Lozelda to live at the Provision de Amor before it was too late. Here, Slendy received nutritional food, health care, education, and Christ's love. She has blossomed into an amazing 13-year-old who has hope for her future as she excels at her Christian school. In 2010, YWEA made an initial investment to help the ministries where Slendy lives and goes to school. However, there is much more that is needed. This year, YWEA will partner again with Rosalba Perez to remodel and expand the capacity of the girls' safe house and purchase a new facility that will be the safe house for boys. We also want to help Rosalba finish building the new Christian school that is currently impacting the lives of 270 students with God's love and an incredible education. Some of these students are ranked top 10 academically in the entire country. They need our help to finish the cafeteria, technology center, high school restrooms, preschool, and furnish all the classrooms. We need your help. These ministry projects are all critical to the children of Kota. The YWEA dream of planting a future of hope is only possible through the prayers and financial assistance of local churches and individuals across America. We encourage pastors and leaders to support this vital initiative by praying for the city of Kota and making a commitment to YWEA 2017. Your financial backing and support will make the YWEA dream a reality. To learn more about the YWEA initiative, please visit myywewea.com. For those of you who may not be familiar with the YWEA, it is um, the youth department of the Church of God that picks a, um, a mission to give to every year. And this year's project is CODA. And... Um, and I, and I was watching this video, and um, and I was praying and thinking, okay, God, what are you calling my church to do? What are you calling me to do? Because I knew he's calling, I knew that he was calling us to do something because we haven't been really doing anything. And so I said, okay, God, where can we start? And and, and our youth director came down a few, a few, about a month ago or so, and he took the vote back in March, and he and I got to talking. And I really, I had another thing on my heart that we're going to talk about in a minute, but I hadn't really even thought about YWEA, and he shared some of the things that were going on with me. And what I love about this mission is, first of all, it's something that we are reinvesting in. Oh, I put the goal up there already. That's our goal, $2,500. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but so hold on on the other slide because, yeah. Any, anyways, um, he was talking to me about this, and I love one thing about this is that it is a reinvestment because we've already been there once, and we've made an initial investment the Church of God has, and now we're going back to do it again. So that tells me that this is working. These kids are coming, and they're learning, and if I think you saw it in the video. They have students there, and it's not just a school that they go to, and they barely learn a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Some of the smartest kids in the country are in this school. Some of the highest test testing kids are in this school. This is a great investment. When I think about why YWEA, they use the word safe houses for these kids. Think about that. I am so glad that I was born in the United States of America because I have never had to rely on a safe house to take care of me or to take care of my children. We are blessed in America. We are blessed in this church, and it's time for us to be a blessing to someone else. Amen? 
And so I think about this YWEA video. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And so we're going to join the Church of God, our denomination, and we are going to give to the YWEA. And they're going to be, we saw in the video, they're going to be building a Christian school. They're going to be building safe houses for the kids. This is a good investment. And so on May 28th, somebody say May 28th, we are going to have YWEA Sunday. And we are going to take up an offering on that Sunday for the YWEA. Our goal is $2,500 for this mission. And that's very achievable. Last year we did $900. We are going to blow that out of the water this year. We are going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. We are going to do something for the kingdom of God. Amen. We're gonna we're gonna raise twenty we're gonna raise more than twenty five hundred dollars. That's a low bar, but I, we wanted to make it very achievable. And this morning, I would never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. And I believe in and I even wrestled with what I'm about to tell you because I really people get funny about money. Is that true? And I have been in church services, and I don't want you to take this this way. I've been in church services where pastors tell you what they're giving to try to manipulate you into giving what they're giving, and. But God, but I want you to know how on board I am with this. Christina and I are going to give the biggest offering we've ever given to this YWA project. Because whenever I prayed about this, God said, you need to stretch yourself because you are so blessed. And in fact, you know, when it, some people will say, well, you're able to do that. You just got a promotion. I know, and so I'm going to do it. How many of you can do it, but you haven't? I've been that person where I could do more, but I didn't. And so Christina and I are going to give literally the biggest offering we've ever given to YWEA because I believe in it that much. I'm not going to tell you how much, but just know I would never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to get in there and do with you. Amen. And so we're excited. YWA Sunday is going to be May 28th, and we're going to take up an offering that Sunday, and we're going to knock $2,500 out of the park. I just, I, we're going to get that number back, and it's going to be a huge praise report. I'm going to do circles because we're going to send in a lot of, a lot of money to us. Amen. And so we're, we're excited about that. Now, you may say, well, I don't have a, 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 an abundance of money to give. I've got an idea for you two. Somebody say you two. Not the band, but the person beside you. <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> Anyways, you may not have a lot of money, and, and you may, but, you, but you still want to be a part. And this is the way that we want to encourage you to be a part. Over the next several weeks until YWEA Day, I encourage you to give $1 per person per family. So if that were me and Christina, that would be me, Christina, Liam, and Bellany. That means every Sunday for the next four or five weeks, I would give $4 every Sunday. And, in my, and, and to put it in the envelope, earmark it for YWEA. I encourage you to do that every Sunday for the next several weeks, and that allows you to be a part of it in whatever way you're able to. If you can give more, give more. If you can't, and that's all you can do, or maybe you can only do less than that, that's fine. I just appreciate you being a part. And so I encourage you to do that. Our next mission that we're going to talk about, is um, a mission that the whole state of Mississippi is taking on. And it's, um, this is the second mission. The first one's YWEA. The second one is a Nicaragua church building campaign. Don't put the slide up yet. <laughs> I got to prepare them for this one. Now, last year we did $900 or less than $900 um, in missions. We are going to blow that out of the water this year, and I'm so excited about it because we are going to join with our Cleveland district, and we are going to raise money to build a church in Nicaragua. Nicaragua, that is a hard word to say for a southerner, I am telling you. Right now, you may say, well, why Nicaragua? Well, 
our Bishop Chris Moody has went over there, put, put boots on the ground, and there are thousands upon thousands of people being saved over there. The problem is, is there not a, there's not enough preachers and there's not enough churches. And over in Nicaragua, you can build a church. Somebody give me a number. What do you think? Just toss out a number. How much do you think it costs to build a church? How much? Close. $15,000 you can build a church in Nicaragua. And so we haven't done missions in a long time. And so I talked to Greg Shambly, which is our district overseer, and we are going to join together and we are going to raise money to build a church in Nicaragua because there are thousands of people being saved. God is, there's revival going on over there. And I believe that if we invest in the kingdom, God's going to honor our investment. Do you believe that? And so we have to do something. How can we get involved in what God is doing in the world? This is how. We're going to invest in Nicaragua as well. Now, if you think about that, you may not know much about this place, but it's deplorable living conditions. There's poverty. There's, there's not, not, not a lot of education or, or, or opportunities for education, but revival has hit anyway. And so we are going to invest in what God is doing there. And the amount that we are setting our goal at is $6,000. Now, the difference between YWEA and Nicaragua is we are going to start focusing on Nicaragua in July. That's when we're going to start putting, and we, and we will have about 10 months to raise $6,000. How many think we can do it? I believe we can do it in, in, in 10 months. I believe God's going to let us do it. And so we're going we're gonna to invest $6,000, the Cleveland, the whole Cleveland Greenville District and the Church of God, about six churches. We're going to work together, and we're going to build a church in Nicaragua, and we're, in May, going to take up an offering and we are going to raise money for YWEA, and we are going to be involved in the Great Commission, and we will no longer omit ourselves from it. Is that good? And lastly, you may say, well, Pastor Jay, it's good that we're doing stuff all over the world, but what about outside our front door? It's an excellent question. It's an important question, and that's why I'm not going to give you an answer about it today, because I have been praying, and I'm going to meet with our mayor, and we are going to find a way for Impact Church to be involved in our community in a meaningful way. If you were in church Wednesday, by the way, I would love to see you in church on Wednesday. We miss you guys when you're not here. But anyways, plug for Wednesday. I said Wednesday night that we have to find ways to be involved, but we're not going to try to do everything, but we are going to do some things and we're going to do them well. And so we're going to look at Nicar we're going to look at YWEA. We're going to do Nicaragua. Our total goal is about $8,500. I believe we're going to far exceed that by the time it's done. I believe we could build a church on our own, but I, but I want it to be ambitious, but not too ambitious so I can make sure we get a win in this. Amen? And so, um, so what do you guys think about that? Is that good? That's good. I want to be a part of a church that puts a high value on souls, not just, soul, not just souls that are going to walk into our doors and pay, our, pay tithes, but souls, period. You may ask, why is this important? This is why. I'm getting ready to close with this. Ms. Karen, if you'll come play for me, please. Matthew 25, 35 through 40 says this. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in, or in, or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, 
Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters, you did for me. That's why missions is important. That's why outreach is important. There's more to do. Today I want us as a church and as individuals to make a great commitment. I'm asking you in your own heart this morning to commit. I will not sit by any longer. I've heard it said, I can't remember who said it, but it's a great quote. Evil, I think it goes like this. I may murder it, but I love the idea of it. Evil men win when good men sit by and do nothing. Evil men win when good men sit by and do nothing. As your pastor, I can't allow us to do nothing any longer. God has placed a heavy burden on my heart for where this church is called to be. And I believe our best days are ahead. But I believe the only day we, the only way we get to the best days is that if we make the important things the important things. And the important things are souls. With everyone, would everyone stand with me? I told you that today would not be a Pentecost Sunday is coming in June. So this is not Pentecost Sunday. But it's just as important because the gospel has to be spread. And so this morning, this is what I'm asking of you. Pray May 28th, YWEA Day. It rhymes. You've got to remember it. Pray about what God wants you to give and give it. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I sat in my office this morning and I said, Jesus, are you sure that I wrote the right number on that, on, on that, on that check? I didn't got my check wrote out, which I've had longer to think about it than you guys have. And I said, Jesus, are you sure? He said, yeah, Jay. I said, okay, I'm just, what if I'm giving out of a bad heart? Are you still sure? <laughs> I ask that you'd make a commitment to the Great Commission with me. Not because I'm asking you to, not because I told you to, but because it's the right thing to do. Let me pray over you. Father God, I thank you, Lord, because you've been so good to us at this church. You've been so good to us individually, Lord. And Father, I pray that in response to your goodness, we would be good to your children. Father, I pray that because you have been a blessing to us, God, that we will make it a priority to be a blessing to the people in our community and in the world to the best of our ability. Don't let us be sedentary Christians any longer, God, but put a fire down in our belly that, that causes us to move, Lord, to go to do Lord today for every person that brought pain and, and hurt and anxiety in this place today Lord I pray for them that they would receive your hope and your grace Lord as we embark on this journey over the next several months to raise this money so that ministry can be done around the world I pray for your anointing 
I pray that with every dollar that is raised, God, that you would increase the level of anointing that's on this house. Not for our glory, but for yours. For every person, God, that's going to give out of lack or out of plenty, I pray that as they are faithful to you, God, because they've been good stewards of what you've given them, God, you're going to pour even more blessings into their lives because you know that they're going to be good stewards of it. Father, thank you for every person that's here. Thank you, God, for what you've done in our church service today, Lord. Thank you for your word that is never changing.